0: Well, thank you for joining me today and welcome to the spiritual warrior coach podcast. I am your host Barbara Savin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch: The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. Because one day, the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring on my guest Kate right now. How are you today?
1: I'm well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Uh, let me tell my listeners a little bit about right. you. Kate Shipp is a christ sented yoga therapist certified with the International Association of Yoga Therapy and a 500 E-R-Y-T and Y-A-C-E-P with Yoga Alliance. She holds a BS in marketing from Arizona State University and has thousands of hours in training and personal experience in various holistic therapies. And for the past decade, Kate has specialized in seeing clients for mental health and trauma recovery. She uses the te- teachings of Jesus and the philosophy and practices of yoga combined with the neuroscience of trauma to help clients overcome painful pasts, remember their wholeness, and live lives of peace and joy. And Kate's personal recovery from a complex PTSD and her connection with spirit motivate her to serve others in this way. And she believes that through hope, faith, and love, even the most painful sufferings can be overcome. And Kate is also an international best-selling author. And her most recent book, I Am Strong Enough Now, God, Thanks, has reached Number one in multiple categories. Uh, welcome, Kate. Thank you so thank much you. for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me. That's oh, the first time my. I've heard that whole thing read like that. So that's <laughs> especially the last part, the, the international bestselling author. That's exciting.
0: Yes, you are. Yeah. I actually purchased your book a few days ago and, well, and started you. reading it. And I said, wow, she's gone through a lot of um, yeah. challenges there.
1: Yes, I absolutely. As I believe, all humans have gone through challenges, mm-hmm. and yes, I've had my fair share. Yes, you have a <laughs> little more than the fair share, I'd say. <laughs> so, uh,
0: how was growing up? Yeah, you know, I'm curious. How was growing up in your family? You know, so
1: I grew up in a very large um, Sicilian, Italian, Irish, English, Scottish family. So there's a lot of personality. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's a lot of noise. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm one of five kids. I'm the fourth of five. Oh. Uh, my parents have been married for 52 years this year. Um, and all of us are married and our own children now as well. And we, we live throughout different parts of the country. But um, there was always a lot happening in our household. And there was this combination, and I I named this really early on in the book, of an underlying love with inconsistent emotional energy in the home. And so while I will say I knew my parents loved me, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of emotional abuse and pain due Mm -hmm. to their unprocessed pain. And so while I could, you know, early on in my own kind of holistic healing journey, when someone would say, how was your childhood? I'd be like, it was great, right? Like there was all, we had all this, there was an abundance of stuff, materialism type stuff. uh, And there was always someone to hang out with or play with, or there was was an animal or a human, (laughs) you know? And as I came into studying more around the teachings of yoga, and then really reconnecting with my body, um, there was this deeper understanding that said, maybe things weren't always what you thought they were. Mm-hmm. And starting to see things in a different way that helped me finally unearth what had caused so much suffering for a lot of years.
0: Okay, now suffering with you and, and your family? or Yeah, so and
1: I'm I named this in the book early so that people don't feel like there's a what's coming type of thing. So I was sexually abused very young from two to six years of age by my paternal grandfather. And I didn't remember that until I was 35. And so my my conscious memory had pushed it away, right? Like I completely forgotten, but it lived in my subconscious and in my unconscious and would surface in my dreams often. Mm-hmm. And it would show up as repetitive nightmares as, um, emotional symptoms that I didn't understand. Cause as a child, you're just, I wasn't taught to mm-hmm. speak to or name or understand emotions. And when I started my yoga journey and it was like the energy started moving through my body and over time, all of that, that I hadn't processed yet started surfacing and it showed up as really heavy complex PTSD symptoms. So people hear PTSD all the time. And PTSD is most often known as, there was one event that happened and everything changed after that. Whereas complex PTSD, which is more often named as developmental trauma, is something chronic that happened early on in your life. And it was a consistent, unsafe environment in some way, or long withstanding, abuse or suffering. Whereas as a child, there wasn't that consistent safe place to land. Um, there was always that, that little underlying fear. And what I came to understand about myself was that the complexity of the trauma wasn't what some people would name as like the big T traumas, the sexual abuse. Later on as a teenager, I was raped and then there was uh, an incident of being drugged which caused a near death experience. So, but the underlying piece of all that Barbara was this like misunderstood, like, am I really loved? Am I safe in my home? Am I cared for? You know, are there people there where there's compassionate holding and gentleness and always someone safe to go to? And unfortunately that always wasn't the case. Um,
0: Yeah. Did your parents know about that with your grandfather
1: they didn't know I once I remembered I told them so once I recalled I had a visceral a body-based confirmation of it in May of 2016 and once I really remembered and knew I wasn't making this up because there is that point where you're like am I making this up because Mm -hmm. I haven't remembered it for so long right but then it was like the stream of consciousness of all the different times that it happened it's like oh that makes sense Oh, okay, that and the memories would keep mm-hmm. coming, and so with the support of a therapist at the time, uh, I chose to tell my parents, and <clears throat> thankfully they believed me. Oh, they did. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. So I was blessed in that most difficult conversation, you know, which was over the phone. They live in Illinois. I'm in Arizona. And it was, you know, instant. They they believed me, and of course they wondered why didn't you say anything. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that was he threatened me. So my grandfather was not a good man. And unfortunately, I wasn't the only one that this happened to. And so they knew, I mean, that didn't surprise them when I said that to them. So I do know that I'm very blessed to have had people that believed me when I shared that understood that obviously my parents having to then process all of that. You know, I can't even, the depth of their pain that they had to walk through in knowing that this happened to one of their children, if not possibly more, we don't know.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he did that to other family members or?
1: Yeah, there was a history of some of that with his own children. And what my therapist told me, which really just broke my heart was the average pedophile has 16 victims.
0: Oh, I had no clue of
1: that. Yeah, and so it made me really understand because I always asked myself, "Well, why me?
0: Why you? Mm-hmm.
1: Right?" I'm one of five kids. There were a lot of other cousins, all these things, and and what my my therapist, because this was something she specialized in, had said: "There's a profiling, and they normally go after the child who's less likely to say something, right. the one who's more easily." manipulated mm-hmm. emotionally in that way. And so when I, and having worked with so many women myself now the past decade, and I tend to work with a lot of sexual trauma survivors, is that same question, well, why, why me, you know? What was it about me? And so having to help understand that there was nothing they did that caused that. There's mm-hmm. nothing I did, right? That drew that to me or caused that to happen.
0: Well, and it's important that we find it in our hearts to not forget, but to forgive
1: them so that it can actually set us yes. free. So you, there's a piece mm-hmm. in the book that I go into detail on in, in 2017, uh, as I had started deep trauma recovery work um, prior to that. I tr- My husband and I and my kids and I, we were back in the Chicagoland area where I grew up and- I told my husband, I said, I need to go to the cemetery to where he's buried. And it's time for me to start my forgiveness journey. And he's like, Are you sure? You know, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. And so there was this beautiful unfolding. And I say the beginning of it because for me, in my experience, forgiveness is not a one and done. It's this constant choice, mm-hmm. right? To continue to move through. The many facets of these emotions that come from these hard experiences and forgive and i remember saying over his grave right i forgive you so i can be free and so your soul can heal I didn't want to carry that anymore
0: no it's a, a very heavy burden to do you know yeah. i had to do some forgiveness also and what i did was uh i remember writing uh, a letter um quite many pages and going to the party store and buying uh, a whole bunch of helium balloons. Now, mind you, this was like 20 years ago when I lived back East in Brooklyn and went to the park. And I said, all right, God, I have to surrender this. I have to allow myself to let this go and to free myself so that I can be who I'm meant to be. And I remember sitting in the park and reading the letter, I mean, of course, nobody was around, and crying hysterically. And then I actually attached the letter to all the balloons. And I said, God, angels, archangels, my highest self, everybody, I am now surrendering this, and I'm allowing myself to let it go. Because by forgiving whom hurt me, I'm now allowing myself to be free. And I remember letting the balloons go and watching it as they just kept on going up to the sky. And it was such an incredible relief that I I finally, after all the years of holding the burden, I I was
1: free. That is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, what a beautiful ceremony. I think of that as ceremony.
0: Yeah, I made it. And, And people actually came over to me to ask me if I was okay. And I said, I've never been more okay in my life. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. And it was very, um, uh, probably it was one of the most healing things I've ever done for myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was to finally forgive.
1: I think it's such an important piece of a healing journey. I know mm-hmm. there's many different beliefs around that, but I, I believe in the power of forgiveness. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is, mm-hmm. so with all this happening, is this how you found your way to do your work?
1: The work no. So what's really fascinating <laughs> about it is, and that's what's so amazing is I think God led me to the work I was doing as part of my own healing to prepare me for what was coming okay. um, from a place of, I had to go through some of my own training and healing and then was serving and helping others. And then it was like, you can't go any further till you deal with this. That's kind yes. of the way I look at it. And so no, in um, 2006, I had my son, I was 25. And uh, afterwards I had postpartum depression. I didn't know I had postpartum depression because mm-hmm. I had never experienced that before. And my husband gave me a gift certificate to a yoga studio. And he's like, you need a hobby. Like you need something to go like de-stress. Really, he was like, you need to de-stress. And as someone who was more of like, I'll go running and I'd go to the gym and that was my workout. I was like, no, yoga won't be so hard. And I just remember after that first yoga class, two things. One, I remember my physical body hurting in ways. I was like, how? I didn't even know I had muscles there. And the second, I remember thinking when I was laying in there at the end of the first class, just this is the embodiment piece of so much uh, spiritual teachings that I'd had over my Mm -hmm. life. So when I was 12 and a shaman came into my family's life to help my dad heal, our world shifted from very Catholic upbringing into this metaphysical... I will say metaphysical with a Catholic underlay. So it was a really interesting home Mm -hmm. environment. And then a lot of Native American throughout blended in into all of that. And so I learned from 12 years of age about chakras and energy medicine and homeopathy and spirits and meditation and channeling and all these amazing things. And so when I went to yoga and I didn't know any of the poses, it was like the poses were some of the last things I learned. And I understood finally that connection to the body piece. And from one class in, it was like, that I need this. Mm-hmm. And it became my like safe haven, my mat, my yoga mat, my yoga practice became that space to connect with God and to be in a healthier relationship with my body. And then I chose to go through a huge teacher training program, another huge master's level yoga therapy program, like yourself, I am a Reiki master teacher in two different lineages of Reiki, and all of these different holistic modalities, and so many, and when I was working, my background's in marketing, and I was working in medical marketing for a dermatology practice out of Chicago, and I would travel back and forth, and I had two young kids, and eventually that just wasn't working for our family and schedule, and so when that job ended, I said to my husband, like, I really want to do yoga teacher training, it's time. And he agreed because I had been postponing it for a long time. And as soon as I started in the training and uh, understanding depth of what yoga really is, I knew that was part of my life path. Mm -hmm. And I just, I like just indulged in as much training and learning as I could, because it fed my soul on a level that I hadn't had before. And I remember being in a yoga nidra training, which is a guided meditation practice. And I was really drawn to working with women who had postpartum depression and PTSD. Now, at that time, I didn't know I had PTSD. And that's what I think is interesting is I had been living with these symptoms for 30 years and had no idea that I was living with them because it was my normal. Mm -hmm. So if someone's anxious and they don't know what life is like without anxiety, they don't know they're anxious. They just think that's normal. Yeah. And so it became this beautiful journey of, I started, I co-owned a yoga studio for five years. I started a private practice out of there and it flourished. And then as in the midst of it flourishing at its, like I was in this place of expansion, all of this unprocessed pain from my past started surfacing at one time. And I think of that as like, okay, God's saying, Kate, there's, there's more for you to do here and there's more for you to serve, but you got to clear this out first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, as healers, we have to, we -hmm. have to reach inside and, and face those fears and insecurities and things that have happened to us in order for us to be better at helping clients Mm -hmm. and understanding at a different level. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I, I know that, um, uh, you, you call your, your therapy Christ centered trauma yes. therapy. Can mm-hmm. you, can you explain what that, what that is?
1: Yeah. So as I have worked through the years as a yoga therapist, I just naturally was working with mostly women, but mm-hmm. I've worked with kids as young as seven and women as old as in their eighties. And there's always a trauma component. And where I look at trauma, I define that as unprocessed emotional experiences that reside as stuck energy in our nervous system. So not the event itself, but the unprocessed emotions because of that event Mm -hmm. that keep bringing us back into that energy. And in 2016, when I was at the worst of the worst, suicidal ideations, thinking of taking my own life, And just in the darkest of dark that I've ever been, got on my knees and just screaming at Jesus, screaming. So having grown up Catholic, there was this understanding of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and Mother Mary. And there was all this really confusing messaging around that, Mm -hmm. And but there was something in my heart that always really connected with Jesus. And so I remember just being on the ground screaming like I can't do this on my own anymore and like I surrender and there was just this constant surrendering and you know I laugh because people like well was there like this big thing that happened I'm like no otherwise right like would it be very different that without like the sky opened and everything changed right Mm -hmm. what happened was there was this sense of peacefulness right there was something that I was able to re-embody I wasn't so dissociative and God continually met me on this journey. And I use the word Christ centered because it aligns with the teachings of Christ, the teachings of love. It's not religious. It's not dogmatic. You don't have to believe, you don't have to be a Christian believer to do this work. What you do need is to understand that within you is the light of love, this light of Christ that lives in all of us. Mm -hmm. And when we um, connect to and awaken that light, right? We're able to see where we've aligned our life with the lies versus what I'll say truths. And so in the work in this christ center trauma recovery, I use the teachings of Christ. I use the listing of who God says you are, which is so beautiful because I think if people really started looking at who am I in the eyes of love mm-hmm. versus who I think I am based on what other people have said. Exactly. Right. Right. There is such a paradigm shift in our consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: always say to people, people that say things to you, don't take that in because that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. You need to reach inside and and figure out who exactly are you.
1: And as a child, when, Mm -hmm. when the people that you, what I say put on the God pedestal, right? Like parents and caregivers and, important people in your life, you tend to play that God role and you believe what they say is true because you don't know any different. And it's a coping, right? It's a a way to kind of get through maybe the day-to-day or some hard moments. But then at some point, I think we're met with the gift of now we have to really look at that programming and recognize that it wasn't true.
0: Exactly. And, And that's why it's so important. Especially, you know, when you're raising children to make sure that what you say to them is so positive. Because mm-hmm. then, you know, if it's a negative thought, you know, or that ne- negative word that comes out of your mouth, it's like planting that little seed in here. And then over time that seed begins to sprout. And then that child thinks that yes, they're stupid, they're fat, they're ugly, they're this, they're that. And so we we need to be so careful with the words that we say
1: I 100% agree and as a mother my kids are 15 and 12 and the early years of their life I wasn't healthy I wasn't well and so we've done a lot of repair work as a family and me with them and recognizing that the unprocessed pain from my past was projected onto them at very young age and thankfully I'm well now to be able to do that repair when they're young enough that, you know, yeah, some of those seeds are already there and we're having to take the seed out. And what yes. I've been saying a lot lately is we have to nurture and repair the soil that the seed yes. was planted in. Mm-hmm. right? Because the soil was unhealthy. Right. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, so you've been through all this in, in like just recently.
1: Yeah. And so with, I mean, I started deep trauma therapy for myself in 2016 and I went weekly for over for five years and then I still go as needed. And there's a lot, I mean, I have a slide of all the different modalities that I used to help myself on this journey of recovery because I believe it's the right practice at the right time. And there's not only one right way for someone. And that part of this walk of self-love is learning what do you need at this time and seeking that next right practitioner or support and then i think for many there are a few things that work really really well and doing those consistently is important and you know my husband and i went to therapy he went to his therapy my kids went i mean it's just been this beautiful unfolding mm-hmm. of healing for all of us and some of us still in it because of just the way life presents and activates something that's unprocessed. And then we do the work to move through it in a healthier way.
0: I think we are always healing and always Mm -hmm. shedding. Yeah. And it's an ongoing
1: process. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, gosh, you know, when I look at my kids and my son's 15 and a sophomore in high school, and I just think of the pain I had been burdening at 15. That no one even knew, right? Mm-hmm. And I think of, wow, if I had had some of these skills and tools, how could that have been different? I have such a heart for teens because I think that if they had certain skills and emotional regulation techniques and understanding their energy, then the world that they live in, you know, for themselves would be so different. Um, it, it, it just hurts be. my heart how much kids and teens are hurting right now.
0: A lot of my clients happen to be teenagers and they're very metaphysical and unfortunately some of the parents uh, feel to bring them to a psychiatrist or psych, you know, and, and then the child knows they do not want to take medication
1: Yeah,
0: because what they're feeling is, is real. Uh, but unfortunately some of the parents, uh, do not in the see, do not understand. And then of course, then they bring them to me. And then I make sure that that mother or father, they understand what this child is going through, because I know for myself growing up, you know, it was always, um, weird or you were a witch or it was voodoo or whatever it was. But I felt I saw and heard and can speak to spirits, So I knew Uh, what was, what was going on. And, and it's not that they're, you know, psychotic or something like that. They, they are really feeling this, the spiritual realm and it it is real. Mm -hmm. It is real. And so, yeah, I, I feel we should teach them this and thank God there are people like yourself that are able to take that teenager and have them understand you, you are not crazy Mm-hmm. this is, this is true. You are seeing and feeling and hearing all this.
1: Yeah. And my kids from, mm-hmm. I mean, like any other child from a very young age, they are really open, right? They're because they're so closely connected until we teach them otherwise. Yeah. And if they stay open and connected, then giving them the tools to manage that is really important. But I, I completely agree with you. What you're saying is if the parents aren't of understanding and they don't, they don't believe, or they don't know how to manage that, then yes, there's definitely that tendency to go towards more of a Western medicine approach. Mm-hmm. And I'll say has its place. But I also understand that the teens that I've worked with, they're suffering often is because they don't feel seen, heard, and understood. Mm-hmm. They feel like something's wrong with them. And I get that, yeah. you know, I remember that feeling. I was the child that could see and talk with spirits. And then after my near-death experience, it's like, all right, which is which here? <laughs> which is the human and which is the spirit? Because yeah. I didn't know. It was very, we both were the same. And then having to learn to navigate that was really interesting as well.
0: Yeah, so how do you actually use all your, all of your healing m- methods, you know, uh, helping your clients?
1: It, so it really depends on meeting them where they are. So clients that come to me for more spiritual or intuitive work, you know, we always start with breath in the body just to keep them anchored in this present moment awareness and to help them understand that they don't have to leave themselves to experience this great energy that's alive in them. Because I find that a lot of people in the when I was a, overseeing a yoga education program at a holistic healing arts college for a while, and amazing school, amazing people. And a lot of the students would come there highly dissociative and really wanting to understand themselves from a place of why do I see this? Why do I hear this? How, you know, but. It was all about this more etheric or outside of themselves energy Mm -hmm. instead of what's happening within them. And so I have found over the years that it's so important to teach people about how to be in communion with their body and with their breath Mm -hmm. before they start exploring some of these other energy uh, modalities and experiences. And so some clients will come to me for that. Oftentimes people are referred to me for trauma recovery and mental health. And then I just, through the intake, I meet them where they are. What is it? What are their goals? What are their sufferings? And what is the best modality to work with? So, you know, from energy medicine techniques, from Reiki, yoga, breath work, um, prayer, devotion, emotion code work, dousing, shamanic work. I mean, there's all of these many tools. Mm-hmm. Right? to help someone find what allows them to reconnect to that authentic self.
0: It's uh, speaking about prayers. I had given some prayers to a teenager that saw me a few days ago to help clear her space in her room. Mm-hmm. And um, she was having challenges sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. And of course, I she needed an energy clearing from other mm-hmm. situations. But a few days later, she called me and she said, Oh, I I wrote the prayers and put them under the four corners of my mattress and in my room. And I, I, for the first time, I feel safe. I feel protected. So it's, and and yet she would never have thought that a prayer prayers can help with that feeling. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel a lot of people, they just don't, they, they do not understand that there's so much more out there that can help them heal on so many different levels.
1: Yeah, I get the feedback a lot that I call it church trauma, mm-hmm. where there are so many people that due to their upbringing in religion, they have disconnected from a relationship with spirit. You know, and whatever they call it, you know, I say God, I'll say Jesus, I'll say Holy Spirit, I'll say Spirit. You know, a lot of my clients will use the word universe, they'll use the word source. Whatever helps someone tap into that for themselves, I'm okay with in saying it and naming that. But I found that the word prayer for many people that I worked with over the years was a triggering word because they associated prayer with religion.
0: Yes. And so
1: we have to unwind that a little bit to understand, you know, how every everything we're speaking is a prayer. You know, I love Carolyn Mace's work around like the words we use are, you know, speaking life or cursing, right? And prayer. And that our our breath is a prayer. And so when we can find combinations of words and sentences that bring safety, I mean, wow, what a statement for a teenager to say. I finally feel safe. What a gift. Mm
0: -hmm. And the thing is like, uh, I'll mention to my client, to my people that I'll I'll use the word God without religion associated with it. Mm -hmm. My grandma and great grandma would always use the word God. And that's what I knew. And Now, you know, I'm Jewish, but yet they would always speak about archangels and angels. And so I grew up with that. And I know it's more of the, you know, Christian, you know, Catholic religion than it is Jewish, but I, I would see them. yeah. And so I knew in my heart, these things were real. And it wasn't about any religion associated with the word God or archangels or
1: angels. Yeah, so it's yeah. True. And, it's you true. know, my, my children used to talk about the things they see my daughter's 12. She still sees angels regularly, mm-hmm. and other beings as well. And it's helping navigate and normalize and understand that there's some that will understand and some that won't. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember even when I went into the hospital as part of my healing and some of my family was like, be careful what you tell them. They might like really think you're nuts. (laughs) I know. know. And I was like, all right, well, when I got in there and went through that whole really, really impactful experience for myself, it was this understanding that we're all we're not unique in our suffering. We just aren't, you know, and that the way we come to find our healing is such a personal, special journey.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to get to walk with someone in that I think is one of the greatest gifts.
0: Yes. I know for myself, I've seen with, with many of the healings, Jesus has come to me and mother Mary. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the most unbelievable feeling ever to have to just open my eyes and there they are right in front of me
1: yeah
0: and uh and i was so grateful to experience that
1: yes and and i've had that happen for many where and they're not of the faith if you will say right Right. they're not and but they're like why do i i see mother mary and i see jesus and i'm like well they're always with me but they're showing (laughs) up for you Uh and so what does that mean to you and I always invite them to inquire. what does that mean to you? Aside from what you might have been told about them, mm-hmm. what is that presence? What is it? How are you experiencing it? What does that mean to you? Right. And it's beautiful. Beautiful. It's I've stunning. never had someone say Jesus and mother Mary are showing up and I'm scared of them. I've never had someone say that it felt bad. Right. 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 Yeah. And I think that that's what's so beautiful is when we are open to love and residing as love, remembering we are love, we will have more of those experiences.
0: And they're beautiful. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I will say only one time that I actually, I was a little, not afraid, but like taken when Archangel Michael stepped into mm-hmm. the room and he stepped into the room, not small he stepped into the room pretty big (laughs) and I was actually oh you know a little taken by it because I I've never seen them in such huge uh you know uh forms Mm -hmm. and and I did apologize I did say oh I'm so sorry (laughs) but I was a little startled there but now you know when they step in it is again, like you used the word beautiful, <clears throat> it's a beautiful and amazing, <clears throat> excuse me, feeling just to know that they're there with us. Yes. And that, yeah. You know, I had to start us.
1: understanding what some of these energies were because they started coming in as like little sparkles of light. Oh, yes. And so I'll see little sparkle of blue or gold or pink or white or purple. And I'm like, what is, are- mean you know and then having to you know and it was almost like fireworks and I you know and thankfully I knew enough to know that I wasn't there wasn't something wrong with my eyes or neurologically it was like these are how some of these beings will show up and for other people that I know it's much like you've shared you're sharing is this beautiful big presence you know whether it's a felt sense or you see it And so I think it shows up differently for everybody and to learn how that presents, I think for each person is important in their spiritual walk.
0: Right. And that, excuse me, and not to be afraid of it. Yeah, That's the thing. And to know that they're there to help you, to help Mm -hmm. you see what it is you need to heal or feel or whatever the the situation may be they're there to help us.
1: And in that, you know, in the work that I do with people and we set, the container of love right through this energy of Christ I let them know that when we're, when we're embodying that light and when we're setting the energy of that light only love is able to show up and come in so there doesn't need to be this fear.
0: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that, you know I was getting back to, to your book, which is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Um, I was reading the part where you actually somewhat died and then yeah. came back mm-hmm. and that you were just left to die. Uh, can you you know I, I could not comprehend why they they did that to you, but can, the can only, you yeah, see the that? only yeah
1: the only there there was you know there's so much when I I mean there, every moment of that experience from what I recall and then have recalled over all these years. Um, that was one of the ones I had to really wrestle with was why would they have just left me? Just left you. Mm-hmm. You know, why this this guy that I've been dating for a year and a half at that point. And why didn't he call the ambulance right away? Why didn't, you know, and once I had some further understanding of who I was with and mm-hmm. the house that I was in, and this came through the police officers that came to my hospital room after I woke back up and things my dad had shared was that, you know, my best understanding of why they left me there was because they were part of a really big drug ring and I had no idea. And so the house that I was at, and aside from my boyfriend at the time, the people I were with, I didn't know. So, you know, I name in the book, how many ways I think God was saying, don't do this, don't go there. And I ignored all of those intuitive nudges uh, that were really trying to protect me. And so having been left in an epileptic coma type state for over 13 hours before they even called the ambulance, uh, I was moments away from death. And then in the hospital, I did die. So in the book, I tell that twice time of death was called and recorded of my body. And because of the blessing of having various healers in my life, shamans, other people that did other medicine work, and then I believe it was very God ordained that the doctor that was working on me in the hospital had said to my dad, like my grandmother was a Chinese medicine woman and she knew of these ancient ways beyond my understanding. And he said, your daughter is dead. Let me remind you of that. And yes, you can bring in whomever you want to work over her, but please like, just know this. And so that was when my dad and then our shaman Kent had started working over my dead body in the hospital. And uh, there were healers all over the world that Kent had called to go into ceremony and this beautiful experience that I had. And what was so amazing to me about my memory recollection and I mean, I can close my eyes and I'm there. I, it, was, it was such a beautiful place. But when I was sharing it with my dad, that he had seen the same thing, oh. and that where where he was doing ceremony over my body, and where Kent and he were in this shamanic journey that was happening, um, he would he he had said like, "Do you know where you are?" And I'm like, "No, Dad. It was this beautiful golden temple." And over so many years, I would have these experiences that would take me back there, and having to choosing to figure out where was this, like, what is this place? And he would talk about. You know how his memory of it, and how when he was there in ceremony, what was happening, and so what was amazing about that was, what I thought, because I I am imagining that many people have had these type of near death experiences, that sometimes you're like, all right, is my, am I making this up, right? And he's like, no, this was as real as my skin is now, and the memory of it, and the beauty of it, and the understanding, and. The, this deep understanding that we don't, there's no hell. There's, you know, there's only love yeah. on the other side. Right. And based upon the experiences we've walked through in this life, that we have soul review and we have a deeper understanding of why we had to go through the things that we had to go through. And you know, I can't even imagine and having talked with my parents and my younger sister was at the hospital too, of that pain of hearing them say your daughter is dead. Dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, did you see yourself? I saw
1: myself over the hospital bed. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go back in there like this human journey is so painful it's full of suffering I don't want to go back in there and after I saw myself over the hospital bed that's when I remember being in this beautiful temple and there was like floor-to-ceiling bookshelves and the walls were lined with rubies and sapphires and emeralds and amethysts and just gold it was in this mahogany table and an altar of books and it was just it was amazing absolutely amazing and these the people the beings that were there and then At that point in my life, Jesus was very important to me, even even though I would never have a religious relationship with him, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't talk about Mother Mary because the grandfather that abused me, part of his whole thing was he would have us sit in his lap and do the rosary with him. And so I became very afraid of Mother Mary. Of Mother Mary. But she represented herself as white buffalo calf woman from the Native American traditions Mm -hmm. as this bringer of peace and of light. And so she showed up in between realms in that way. But as I would come to understand over time, she became, then she would introduce herself as divine mother and eventually reintroduce herself as mother Mary. And in the book, I, I give that timeline of it and, you know, she was the one that made that proclamation over everyone in between worlds and said she's not done yet and asked me like are you willing to go back like there's more that you need to do you're not done yet and i remember her just saying she's not done yet and i said okay, okay. that was all i said okay and then i remember i get this visceral feeling on my sternum of her pressing on my heart and then um, my th- this was the second time I came back to life. My dad said that Kent was using his pendulum over my solar plexus and my dad was holding one hand of mine and my right hand came up and grabbed Kent's pendulum. And that's how I kind of came back. I wasn't awake yet, but that was where my heart started again was after she touched my heart. and then I grabbed his pendulum. And I wouldn't wake up until, hours later, they had told my parents after that, that to pretty much expect the worst. Would I make it through the night? They weren't sure. Would I be a vegetable? Would I have brain trauma? All these things. And thankfully, none of that happened. None of
0: it happened. Yeah.
1: yeah. It was miraculous. And doctors are like, you shouldn't be here. You're a walking miracle. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't believe in the should. God had a plan. Yes. Well, <laughs> I said, yes. Mm-hmm. I said, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> On to the next, <laughs> What
1: are we, you know, and I, you know, there's always more question that I have around that time, you know, and, um, just feel really blessed to have been given that second chance,
0: that second chance or third I
1: chance, I guess I could say.
0: Well, yeah, it actually was a third chance. Yeah. I, I also had near death.
1: Okay. And,
0: um, it, it's a, a different feeling. It's, you you can feel the love and the peace and the calm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh with myself, my grandma was at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And as I was about to touch her hand, she looked at me and she said, Oh no, no, mm-hmm. and pushed me back out. So uh it, wow. it it's a different feeling. Um and and then you truly know that the there is lot, you know, something else when we do leave.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And being 18, when that happened, I don't know, how old were you when that happened?
0: Uh, I was about, um, let's say I was married. I was about 35.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I was
1: 18 at this near death piece. And I just remember, and I wrote this in the book, you just like yourself, like myself, then (laughs) who -hmm. could help me navigate that experience because Uh it was, it was quite scary. I'll be honest at first. And then having to realize that when you're walking in both worlds, you know, that you, you got to learn different skills and tools and have the right support to, to do this journey in a different way now.
0: Well, that's it. So do you feel that, um, your relationship with God and, and Jesus actually changed you and, and helped you with your journey now? Your, I do. You.
1: Absolutely. I feel like my anchor is in Christ always. And I always feel Jesus and mother Mary with me right side, left side. And I sense them, I see them, I feel them. Archangels are a big part of my journey, and angels and spirit guides. And um, I think for myself, it's, that connection to Jesus is what helped me save myself from that dark experience. And the, the way that he has just continually showed up in my life as, as friend, as savior, I will use the word Lord, because mm-hmm. that's who I ascribe to. And this understanding of the consciousness of Christ as that consciousness of love that we all have access to. Uh, that we all are as an embodiment of love oh Um, with that so is
0: is that what actually uh helped you write your book
1: it definitely helped me write my book yeah this book has many it had many variations before I chose to write it as I did it actually started in January 2020 I finally went to, I went to Sedona. I live only about an hour and a half from there and just put myself in a hotel for a few days to start the writing journey of what is now this book. And there'll be many more. And because it was like, I needed the memoir piece first to help give context and understanding. But there were times, I mean, even in a hotel room where lights were flickering, light bulbs were blowing out. And I was laughing because I was like, all right, you know? <laughs> Do not want me to write that part. Yeah, Are right. Validating <laughs> that I'm writing that part. What, you, uh-huh. what is this about? <laughs> and you know, having to really discern what to include, what not to include, and uh, helping helping myself to feel uh, expressed in this journey, this walk, uh, and learning that for majority of my life, I had lived my life in what I'll say believing the traumas, the lies, the shame. Uh, instead of what you even talked about in your beautiful opening on this today of the positive thinking, the mindset that we're in and how that plays such a critical role in what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about life and what we're here for.
0: Yeah. So do you feel that you writing your book has actually helped you heal and let go of all this?
1: I think it has helped me heal and let go in a way that I didn't know I still needed. And people had said, like, when you write, there's a cathartic experience that happens different than processing an EMDR or other types of holistic therapies that I use for myself. Mm -hmm. They get that now, because especially in the editing process where I had to read my own writing over and over and over again, you know, I would cry every time. And, you know, reading your own words on paper about your experience and the healing that comes through that is amazing.
0: It, it truly is. And it helps us know that we've, we've overcome it and we've healed.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow. We're not in that anymore.
0: Well, you've had a lot of, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel in my heart that when all these things happen to us, that there is a reason we need to go through some of this in order to help ourselves heal. And then like yourself to help others heal.
1: Yeah. And I think we, I think the beauty is being able to find the purpose in the pain (laughs) Mm -hmm. and being able to know that we get to choose what we do with it now and the gift of being able to serve others, to help them walk that journey. So there isn't this despair and hopelessness. I think hope is such a critical energy to be able to keep moving forward uh, and to allow ourselves that gift. And I, I love being able to share that with others and to walk with people on that journey well
0: it, it's a beautiful book i can't wait to read the the entire book i've read a few chapters of it and um i was just amazed at some of your writings
1: thank you so yeah um, it's exciting it's exciting that the book yeah. had the receptivity that it's had mm-hmm. and you know that i surrendered it to god i'm like god do with this what you want right if this is all for you and the joy of getting to help people in that way you know where maybe someone won't reach out to go see a therapist or for individual sessions or to come to see someone like yourself or me but maybe they'll read a book
0: well that's it right? and books are yeah. healing so where can uh, my listeners get a hold of you and
1: So my website is kateship.com.
0: Oh, you have little babies in the back. My dogs are in the other
1: room. They just started barking. I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) No, Um, I'm so used to that. Believe me.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, So kateship.com is my uh, website. Uh, They can find me on Facebook or Instagram at kateship333. Um, Is that? And then the book is available on Amazon, Kindle, or paperback. It's I Am Strong Enough Now, God, thanks.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Right. For everything. I mean, yes. it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: we need to act. I mean, I always say when I open my eyes in the morning, thank you, God, for everything.
1: That's the first thing I say. I'm like, thank you, God, for the gift of this day. It's yes. program that to be my very first mm-hmm. thought.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, my eyes open. I can breathe. I can get out of bed. Yeah. We're good to go now. And I think there's <laughs>
1: something when we've been through uh-huh. so much pain, our yeah. capacity to appreciate the ordinary Mm -hmm. right as something beautiful increases
0: so one more time where can they get a hold of you and
1: your your book Thanks, kate ship k-a-t-e-s-h-i-p-p i I say like pumpkin otherwise it gets misinterpreted (laughs) (laughs) kateship.com and then you can get the book on amazon
0: okay yes please buy that book let me tell you it's it's an eye opener and it's a beautiful book. It's it's a really good book to read. And I'm not just saying that, trust me. Um, it's really good. I, I can, I cannot wait to finish it. So, um, and that's what I'll probably be doing over the weekend. Oh,
1: wonderful. Thank you, Barbara. So,
0: you know, Kate, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast. I'm so
1: grateful. I've enjoyed this. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And, uh, Thank you to my listeners uh, for listening. And I hope that you heard what you needed to hear. Um, And uh, visit me at motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this YouTube channel, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, uh, iHeartRadio. We're international also. And uh, um, for those of you that are maybe uh, interested in learning energy healing, check out my book. Gentle Energy Touch: The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. So, again, thank you so much, Kate, for this beautiful and interview. Um, and I'm so happy I found you, and I found That's you through grateful. your book. We
1: <laughs> found each other. Yes, thank uh-huh. you, and thank you to all who are listening.
0: And um, have a beautiful weekend, everybody, uh, filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.